Thanksgiving because we're talking about Thanksgiving and cottages and what we did for the weekend. I got to go up north and see all the leaves. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving weekend. How you doing, my friend? Good, good, Gary. I'm doing really good. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. I feel like this day is always to me like I just feel stuffed and I just feel like, oh my gosh, the day is taking forever to go on because you're just, you have such a long weekend of full of food essentially, right? It's always, I'm always grateful for it. But yeah, these days are always a tough one because you're just like struggling to get out, get yeah. going in the day. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want to know in the comments. Did you or did you not have turkey on the weekend? Let us know if you had turkey. Yes or no. I did not. We had no wow. turkey. Wow. What did you have? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> what did we have? Geez, Saturday night. I can't re can't even remember what we ate, but it was cottage cottage food. So I don't know, right? hamburgers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, see, that's okay. I actually prefer that. I'm not a turkey lover. I, I really am not. I like, uh, yeah, I like to do something like what you're doing there. That's maybe way better for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike Russo is not Jen Silbernagel. That we can that we can yes. all agree upon. Uh, yeah. We have. We're honored to have guest host today with uh, Mike with us as Jen is off uh, enjoying her family from uh, Ireland uh, this week. And uh, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We got lots to go through. So yeah. um, we should probably roll the intro and kind of get into the show. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm ready. Beautiful. Okay. So lots to go through. The title is kind of funny. We came up with a title and we're talking about RSP second mortgages. We're going to talk about sellers and buyers expectations. And this last one, Mike, is a ring doorbell, a fixture or a chattel? Like what the heck? Yeah. What is it? I don't even know. Can I take it or can I leave it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to talk all about that kind of thing. And um, it's interesting what no turkey yeah my mom no turkey that makes sense because i was with her on the weekend <laughs> <laughs> here we go <laughs> no turkey for my mom and dad um that makes sense as we were all together we're going to talk about what chattels are and we're going to talk about you know things like security systems and hot water tanks and ring doorbells yeah. and all sorts of stuff and and kind of the seller's expectations and buyer's expectations from that perspective but um we should probably roll into our first topic, Mike, and, and that's yeah. simply seller's expectations. So we'll do the little intro for that and then we'll get we'll get to it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Client's expectations. So Mike, give us a little quick 30 second background of who Mike Russo is and the Russo team and why this question yeah. is going to be perfect for you. Cause you're, you're working with buyers and sellers right now. Yeah. So, you know, who's Mike Russo for those that don't know. Yeah. So I'm an agent here with KW. I've been an agent uh, for three years now going on my fourth full year. I, my third year was in August. So kind of working towards the fourth year now, uh, recently started a team on my own and uh, pretty much have been buying and selling real estate for clients the past three years. Right. And typically, um, I've been a very buyer heavy agent, right? And that continues to be the case in 2021. However, like, as you know, 2021 has been a heavy, heavy seller's market. So it's been quite the challenge to actually help buyers um, secure properties. Just last week, you know, we missed out on three deals because we were one of, you know, 
in some cases up to 15 offers, right? So it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge when it comes to buying or buying or selling a home uh, in today's market. Obviously when you're selling it, it might be a little bit easier just because the expectation there, what we tell our clients uh, when we do have sellers is, listen, we're going to, we're going to do our best job. We're going to show off the property really well online and we're going to market. Uh, we're going to market it on Facebook on all of our different venue or um, avenues. That way we get the most amount of exposure, right? But we know naturally that in the seller's market, we're going to get a lot of attention. And our job is to then, you know, get not to say the most amount of attention, but the right attention. And what I mean by that is we want to bring in all the qualified buyers to actually fight for the property and hopefully, you know, win our guys uh, or get our guys, our clients, uh, lots of money over asking, right? Now that is a lot shorter. And, and Gary, I'm sure you're, you know, you've dealt with this too. Like that, that process sometimes takes like 10 days, right? Just to sell their home because of how hot the market is. But granted the work that goes up to preparing for those 10 days is where it all, like where we really shine, right? It's making sure that the home is presented, all the photos have been done properly and all that good stuff. And really that the homeowners are comfortable with having people into their home, you know, during, during COVID, right? Cause that's a, that's another big thing. So we got to make sure that the safety measures are taken and they know exactly what's going on. Is that something similar to what you're telling your clients as well for the sellers? Yeah. From the seller's perspective, it's, it's all about setting that expectation from, you know, not only do we want to get as many people through as possible, we want to get as many qualified people through as yeah. possible. I think that's the, the big caveat here. And whether yeah. it's COVID or not COVID, um, that to me is always an important piece. You know, we can talk about listing strategies or pricing mm -hmm. strategies, but today, you know, the topic is the seller or buyer's expectation and having a, a clear plan on how you're going to sell and market the home Yes. together, I think is incredibly important and coming to some of those conclusions together. And, and I'm curious on the buyer's side, you know, when you're going up against 14 or 15 other offers. Yeah. What do you what do, do you, right? What do you, not only what do you do, but what are you doing? What are you telling and what, what are you talking to? What are the talking points to your buyers? How are you setting them yeah. up for, um, not to say failure because it's not mm -hmm. failure. It's just that next step, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the reality of it. Right. So uh, truthfully, what I tell my clients is in every home we go see, I say, don't fall in love with it because the reality is there's a good chance you're actually not going to get it. And that's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And if you were, if you fell in love with it and then you didn't get it, your heart is broken. You don't want to buy another house again, right? Like you're totally over it. But the reality of the market is this is a very much a possibility that you're not going to get the home. And so what we need to do is we need to sharpen essentially our offer as much as possible so that we actually do secure it when the time comes. And so what we do a lot, like I have an offer in right now for a client. Again, we're right as of right now, we're one of seven. And pretty much what I what I've advised them is, you know, I, I never advise against going firm just because I always like to, if possible, I try to I try to get a home inspection or financing just to have that. Um, but in most cases the clients understand that we do have to go firm in order to to win a deal. Right. So that's understandable. So the talking points that I usually mention are closing date, right? I try to work with the other side and see what, what closing date you guys have. Have you bought a home already? Do you need a short closing date? Do you need a long one? And we work that way. Cause sometimes that will make a difference, right? If you need a short one, sometimes there's not a lot of people out there that, that need that can accommodate a short closing date. So sometimes that can be the difference right there. The next thing, believe it or not is deposit. So as, as stupid as it may sound, including a deposit check with the offer shows you shows the buyer, the seller that you're that much more serious, right? So if we actually had the certified check photocopied and we brought it to them 
and they had it in there or they had a copy of it and I could tell them, listen, you accept our deal. That deposit check will be at your office in one hour. How does that show the seller how serious we are? You know, how do they feel about that? So if it was $5,000 difference, they might actually take ours because again, a, a very common thing that's been happening in our market is people don't show up with deposit checks, right? Yeah. So we try to work on that. You know, it, it's a lot of people, I see it online all the time. You know, people will write letters um, to explain to a homeowner who they are. Yeah, okay, that's great. You can definitely try that. I always try to include that as well. Uh, but the extra step, put a photo in there if you really wanted to, right? Show them who you are. Because yeah, it's a letter, but like they don't really, you know, they're just painting a picture in their mind. So actually give them the picture. And then they can, they can then see you almost living in their home, right? Um, it's something very minor. And again, it's maybe, it's maybe helped me once in my lifetime. Um, but again, it's, it's something that makes you stand out, right? Stand out, and I think yeah. that's, the, I think that's the main objective is, is how do you stand out when you're compared against eight other offers or seven other offers, whatever it is, right? Other than the purchase price, of course. So yeah. tightening up the conditions, if possible to remove them, tightening up the closing date for sure. And then, you know, adding, uh, adding extra value on top with a letter or, or something else to describe your clients to show them that they're, they're the right fit. Right. Yeah. And, and having that expectation level is, you know, we used to say we go you know, way back when Mike, uh, <laughs> we would, we would say, you know, we're going to go see five to maybe 10 properties at the most, and you're going to buy one of them. Whereas right. now you yeah. might do five to 10 offers until you yeah. get one of them. Right. Yeah. It's it, like, it, it's, it's funny how, how the market's going. And, you know, I, I did a market recap last, uh, last week. That's on my YouTube channel. If you want to check that out of the 416 versus the 905 and, and that yeah, was a great video actually going. Yeah. Thanks. Say that again, Mike. I didn't hear that. <laughs> it was a great video, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> but the, the reality is I don't see any end in sight for the buyers. It's, no. we, we are continuing to see a very strong buyer's market and, and you're experiencing that right now with your buyers yeah. and it's just at continuing to educate our buyers that, you know, yes, the right home for them is out there somewhere, but they're yeah. going to, they're going to have to work hard for it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then from the seller's perspective is aligning yourself with an organization, a realtor, whatever that might be, um, and being on the same page with them and understanding what it, you know, it's a very stressful time, but it's also, yeah. um, when, when done with the right realtor, it can be a very enjoyable time, right? It, it's, yeah. it's, that's, and that's exactly it. Like, you know, you need to find someone that's a good fit. So one of the things that we also do, even though, you know, granted our market is, is very challenging because most of the times we're going over asking, just like you mentioned with the whole, um, you know, lack of inventory, you know, a whole bunch of stuff going on. Sometimes what we do is depending on the actual offer date. So for example, for the offer today, I actually had my client sign two offers, right? So one offer is kind of lower. The other offer is a bit higher, right? To try to save them that money. And judging on how many people went in on the offer date determines what offer we put forward. So now we're against seven. So we put our higher offer in first, right? But if there was only one other person, we know that our first offer is still very aggressive. So we might be able to put that and I might be able to save my clients you know, 10, 20, $30,000, as opposed to putting in the second offer going to their max, right? So it's like stuff like that, that might actually help you help your clients um, potentially save more money. And I know it sounds weird to say save money when you're going over asking, but it does actually help. It, it does kind of make the difference, right? Well, it does a few things, Mike. To, to me, it, it, 
sets you apart. It's it's showing the client that you do truly care for them at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, you're you're looking out for their best interest, and it goes along the same thing as as um, you know. What is a home inspection? What does that cover? What is that going to do yeah. for you? Is it a is it a guarantee or a warranty? No, it's simply an mm-hmm. inspection. Like it's that type of conversation, right? Is it's, yeah. we you know we have to have these conversations every day with with clients so we understand so they understand uh, the page and so do we because they'll have input. And it's maybe something that we miss that is really important to them. So we're, if we're not continuing to communicate and talk to them, we're going to miss something that might be um, very small detail at the end of the day, but it's a huge yeah. detail to them. Right. 100%. I totally agree with that. And and to kind of touch on, I get that question a lot, what you said a little bit earlier with the whole, you know, do you see an end in sight for the buyers? You know, is there, is the market going to crash kind of thing? I, I keep telling my clients the same thing, right? Right from the get-go. If you look, our, our, our housing crisis is a supply problem, essentially, right? We don't have enough supply and the demand is way, way more than it ever should be. And then I like to show that, okay, yeah, so you have, the government wants to build a million homes. That's great, but that's going to take probably five to six years possibly to happen, right? On top of that, not to say that anything against immigration, I'm so thankful that we're able to bring immigrants in, but we're also bringing in 400,000 people a year right? Those people need homes. So we're going to build a million homes, but we're going to, in the next three years, we're going to bring in 1.2 million people. So we're still short 200,000 homes, right? So it's, it's addressing that and saying, okay, so now without the government adding more homes or influencing the interest rates, how is it that our, our housing market is going to correct, right? It really isn't unless we get that influx of supply, right? And so that's the, that's the issue. And that's what I try to advise my clients on because I have some clients that are waiting on the, on the, on the fence, ready to buy. Okay. We're going to wait till the market crashes. Well, that was last year, right? Home prices have gone up the average for their, what they were buying. It's gone up 150,000 since they've been waiting. So I've called them. Actually, I think I called them two weeks ago and I said, how long, how much longer do you want to wait? Can you afford to wait any longer? Cause I don't think you can, yeah. right? There's going to be a point where you're not gonna be able to get into the market again. Right. And that's not good. Yeah. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. And, and there's, there's other things that act at, that, come into play here and not to say we need to be, you know, economists or things like that, but there's things that that are happening to the GDP and everything else. And the government is going to keep continuing, in my opinion, to keep interest rates low, low as possible, but that's going to fuel. That means you have more buying power, right? Exactly. Which is the demand. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother session. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all good. So clients expectations, it's important to continue. I think like the, the best way to set expectations for both, if you're a client or a realtor is, is communicating, right? You got to keep talking to each other and keep understanding each other. And, and, um, you know, you, you can either be on the market or you be in the market. We much rather to be yeah. in the market than, than on the market as, as it were. Right. For sure. Good For stuff. Sure. Okay. Good stuff. Let's move on. And we're going to yeah. talk about uh, something that I love and that's investing. Yeah. So RSP second mortgages, and this came up, Mike and I were talking earlier and I said, Mike, did, did you know, one of my most watched, not by, not by count, but just recently most watched, uh, videos, YouTube videos is one I did three or four years ago. And I recorded myself at a workshop talking about RSP second mortgages. 
Wow. And Incredible. For whatever so reason, I, I don't know yeah. people, um, well, people have a lot of equity at this moment, right? Yeah. Or people are looking at the, at their real estate or their portfolio, investment portfolio, retirement portfolio, and asking for more, or they're asking for something stable because mm-hmm. the last 24 months, 36 months, the, the, the investment market or stock market has kind of been all over the place, right? Right. For sure. And, and when you can look at different investment vehicles and for, for a lot of people, uh, they want to take a portion of their investment portfolio and lock it in and know they're going to get a fixed return for X amount of time. And that's yeah. where RSP second mortgages is just an outstanding opportunity for some people. Yeah. So actually to get it, to dive right into that, Gary, what exactly is that? Right. So if I was somebody new or if I didn't know how, what this is, how would you describe it best to them? It's exactly, yeah, that's a great way to put it. How do you just describe it to them is you as an investor into RSPs or if you have investment funds, you can use those investment funds to loan or to lend to somebody to, to buy a house or uh, to take secondary financing on, and you're going to get a fixed return for, for 12 to 24 months or longer. And a lot of people love that because they love the fixed return. They love being able to uh, loan it against a property that has lots of equity that's in a great area. And for RSP second mortgages, uh, it is, you know, for, for people to understand the value of real estate, it's a great opportunity to keep investing in real estate when they don't have the yeah. means elsewhere, right? Yeah. And now can you do that through any bank? Like, I, like essentially, if I wanted to start this up, who do I, who do I call to do this? Or is it a special bank that you have to go through? Yeah, really, it's a special bank that what it, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, there's a company out of Alberta called Olympia Trust. There are right. some banks that have done it in the past. TD did it, but they've actually shut that part of it down. Olympia Trust is the best in Canada. That's where most people go to, to use RSP, um, to loan out RSP second. So for instance, if I owned a property and investment, it could be any type of property, but if I owned a, a property and I was looking to get some equity out of it and refinancing the property with a first mortgage wasn't an option for me. Mm-hmm. I might say to, you know, other fellow investors or, or uh, my mortgage broker, I'm looking for, for a second mortgage. And that second mortgage can be provided to me as the investor in any which way possible. Mike comes along and says, well, I've got, I've got $100,000 in my RSP at the moment, all of which is in the stock market. But if I took, and, I, and Gary, as the investor, I'm looking for maybe $40,000, Mike's okay loaning out $40,000 to me at 10%, right? Mm. And Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. So let's set that up. As soon as we get off the call, Mike, let's set up. So, and that, that, RS, that RSP, that $40,000, I don't send Mike checks. That's not the way it works. I send Olympia Trust Tech checks for oh, my interest payments. They take care of everything. And Mike's smart. He's a smart, savvy real estate investor. So he's going to make me make all the payments, right? And take on all the costs. So whatever the cost that it is to Olympia trust a few hundred dollars a year, I'm going to pay for it. Uh, mm. any legal fees or lawyers fees to set it up. I'm going to pay for it. Cause Mike's smart. He's a savvy real estate investor, right? <laughs> so there's right. all different ways. I mean, we can get dive, we can dive deep into what that looks like. And 
there's there's all these great ways that investors are always looking for money. Thanks for that great great comment, yeah. uh, Danielle. And um, for RSP investing, it's it's an amazing way to take some some RSP funds. Uh, get a guaranteed return. The length of the time or the term that we call it or the length of time that Mike's going to loan that money to me can be anything that you create. Wow. Um, it's it's typically best done at 12 months or 24 months and perhaps it's done every 12 months and it can renew. As long as, yeah. I, as, long as my payments are in good standing order, uh, yeah. I can renew that. Yeah. And you can continue to do that forever, essentially, right? You can always consistently use your RRSB money to do second mortgages. Absolutely. So what happens is let, I want to make something pretty clear here. If your RSP funds, let's just use that hundred thousand dollars or the $40,000, yeah. right? Right. It's already invested into an RSP fund somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. And let's just use TD for instance, yeah. TD Canada. Mike is not withdrawing that money from TD and giving it to Olympia trust. Cause that's going to incur, um, income tax penalties. Yeah. Taxes. Yeah. What, sure. what Olympia Trust is going to do, they're going to make a request to TD for that $40,000 and TD is going to transfer that $40,000 and keep it what we call registered. Right. So it right. always stays as registered funds. I'm never paying taxes on that. And you're not paying taxes on that until one day down the road when you do withdraw, yeah. you know, 20, 30 years down the road. Type yeah. Thing, right? When I retire. Yeah. 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 But um, it is a fantastic way to... Um, Invest in real estate if you're, you know, you, you don't have all the means or you're looking for another vehicle to invest into. Uh, it's a great way to do it. People are looking for all sorts of different types of seconds. We can talk about the loan to value too. So yeah, I, I have colleagues um, that borrow or sorry, I have colleagues that lend money out and loan to value is simply whatever the value of your home is what mortgages do you have against that value? So if we'll use, you know, we're in the GTA, so a million dollars is a million dollars. That's pretty easy. And if yep. you have a first mortgage of $600,000, that means that loan to value is 600 divided by 1 million, which we all know is 60%, mm -hmm. right? And you might, you might, if that's me, I might say I'm looking for 10% um, of that equity, right? So I'm looking for... $60,000 in this case. Yeah. Right. And, and Mike has that $60,000 available. So now that loan to value goes from, from, um, 60% up to 70%. So hmm. if anything goes sideways as me, as the borrower, Mike knows there's still 30% of equity there. Right. Yeah. And, and it, like I said, it's, it's a really unique way to invest into real estate. It's a really unique way to invest uh, your RSP funds to get a fixed return. And yep. that, that percentage that Mike is going to uh, charge me, it could be anything. It really can be. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause you would agree to it. Yeah, exactly. So if I, if you were more risky, I might charge upwards of maybe 15% or if you were not so risky and you really just, you know, were kind of shopping the rates, maybe I charge you 8%, something like that. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly it. That, that is exactly it. The higher the loan to value, it is another way to think about it. The higher the loan to value, the higher the interest rate Mike's going to charge me. Yeah. So if I was already now, question, at like, yeah. Now that we know how to do that, right? So now we've, we, now we work with Olympia trust. We got the money. How do we know what to mortgage? How does that work? You know, do we talk to a mortgage broker to find private deals? How do we go about finding people that need 
a second mortgage? That's a great question. Talk to your mortgage broker, get into, get into different circles for investors. Investors are always looking for um, ways to, to get at that equity. Uh, yeah. Talk to realtors, uh, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That's that's a great question, but definitely start with realtors and mortgage brokers and and yeah. And, and they set investors. up a criteria of what it is. You know, they might have a couple of criteria sitting on the shelf that you could probably copy from other successful people, or maybe you have your own criteria, and they'll kind of start looking for that. And as people approach them, they can then call you and say, you know, hey Gary, I got an opportunity for fifty thousand. Are you interested? Kind of thing. Yep, exactly. Exactly. See, people got to know mortgage brokers, uh, even realtors, other investors, they got to know that you're, um, that you're looking to invest that money. And yeah. if, if you're serious about it, you know, contact Mike or myself and, and we'll get you connected with the right people. But, um, if you're serious about it, move trans, look up Olympia trust, uh, move that money today. And it can just sit there waiting for the right opportunity because it does take a little while to transfer funds, um, out of your current RSP into, into Olympia trust account, but Olympia trust takes care of all the accounting. They take care of all the paperwork. Uh, they wow. take care of, you know, receiving all the money and, and notifying you, uh, when, when payments are made and when payments are not made, it, it's a fantastic resource. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting actually. And it's, it's definitely one of those, uh, like avenues of investing that I think a lot of people skip out on. Uh, just because it seems like the, there's only two kinds of ways to invest your money, real estate or stocks. That's what it seems like, right? But really, truly, there's not. There's there's hundreds of ways you can invest your money for sure. And that's just, this is another great tool that you can use. Yeah, it, it really is. And it kind of balances your your portfolio out a little bit too. You know, obviously yeah. I'm very real estate heavy, uh, yeah. but this is a way to invest in real estate and get a fixed return, right? Mm. And And for some people, that's what they're looking for. Right. Yeah. Or, or Security. that segment of their investment portfolio, they're looking for that fixed return. So yeah. there's a good opportunity for people. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Good stuff. All right. Moving on. Okay. I like this next one. Let's move on, Mike. Yeah, let's do it. Chattels versus fixtures. Okay. So, so, I threw the so, so yeah, tell the story and then we'll kind of dive in. Cause this story is like, it's, it's interesting for sure. So I saw in one of our local uh, Facebook groups, um, is a ring doorbell, a chattel or a fixture? And that was kind of the question because the, to cut a, a long story short, uh, seller sold his house closed and the buyer closed on it. Seller had a ring doorbell. And when the buyer showed up, it wasn't there. <laughs> Gone. Gone. They took it with them. So that begs the question, is a ring doorbell a chattel or a fixture? And if you're confused of what chattel and fixtures are, Mike, yeah. do you want to take on that? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially a fixture, as it states, is essentially fixed to your property, right? So there's a lot of things that are attached to your property. Um, for example, what's, what would be a good one? Let me think you know, a chandelier, even outside their, your house, the lighting outside your property, um, camera systems, those are, those are physically attached to your property. Whereas a chattel, um, isn't necessarily attached to your property. It's kind of, I guess the best way to think about it, this is what I learned in school is if you were to flip your home upside down and shake it, everything that falls can technically go with you. Right. But if it's stuck, it's got to stay with the home. Right. So really everything else, unless otherwise stated in the agreement, goes with, you know, goes with the, the homeowners. 
But if I shook my house upside down and I sh and that ring doorbell was attached to my door still, then that's got to stay. And and really truly, it is attached to your to your house. So I would argue that it, it is a fixture for sure. Yeah, I I'm not gonna argue against you because that would make me look like a fool. <laughs> but I, I should case... sorry, I should probably specify. Sorry, chattels. A great example of a chattel is like um, you know an oven or a microwave that's not built in, right? So stuff like that, stuff that you can move washer and dryer. Um, a, you know, vacuum system, stuff like that, that's kind of free and you can move it technically. Right. Yeah. Well, well said. And, and, and you said something important too here, our, or as otherwise stated in the purchase and sale agreement. So, yeah. So if, um, maybe that ring doorbell, that, that seller really wanted that ring doorbell because his long lost uncle gave it to him who he hadn't seen in 55 right. years and it meant, you know, had sentimental value to it. Yeah, that's where the conversation we talked about this earlier, Mike, um, when we're getting ready for the call here, you know, there's there's an element or there's an onus on the listing agent here as well. Absolutely. And we're not just we're not just it's not just cut and dry, black and white. In some cases we have fun. And yes, it is. But mm -hmm. in this case, you know, we we both really feel like the listing agent had this on his or their shoulders as well, because again, back to our earlier conversation, setting that expectation. And yes. Mike, like if, if I'm the seller in this case, I really wanted that ring doorbell. What would you have done otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, I mean, if, if, if we sold the home and it's gone that you took the doorbell and the buyer is saying, well, I wanted that doorbell. Well, I I'm, I'm kind of on the hook for that doorbell and I'm not going to go back to my seller and say, Hey, listen, you got to bring that doorbell back. I'm probably just going to go to home Depot and buy one and and bring it over to the buyer and just say, you know, sorry for the confusion. Here's, here's a new doorbell, you know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of awkward, but to avoid that situation, I always do this in, in all of our listing presentations. Once we've kind of gone through all the paperwork and everything is we do, we actually have a section, uh, just in an agreement that says fixtures included and chattels included, sorry, fixtures excluded, excuse me. And essentially it's saying, what is it uh, that's a part of your home that you want to take with you? Right. And we're going to write it all down. And it's going to be right on the right on the paperwork of that home. So any offer that comes in, if it's not included in the section that says fixtures excluded or chattels included, then it's you know it's 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 fair game, right? Yeah, exactly. And another way to to look at that too is let, let's say it's a heirloom chandelier or something like that. Yeah, that typically would stay with the home because, as Mike explained earlier, it's a fixture. It's fixed to your house. And when we write up. Uh, purchase and sale agreements or the listing um, description, we typically say all electrical light fixtures, for instance, are included. Yeah. However, yeah. if you've got a chandelier that just means something near and dear to you, I yeah. always say out of sight, out of mind. Let's, I'll, I'll hire my electrician or somebody will come over, they'll remove it and we'll put up a new one from Home Depot. Right. Right. Like let's just not give somebody the, the idea. Opportunity that that, to yeah, Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's that's 100. So I actually had that exact situation happen to me. My clients had a Mickey Mouse um, chandelier. So it was like, I don't know, had all these Mickey Mouse designs on it. It was part of a Disney room. It was really, really neat. Yeah, because I thought you meant like a really cheap chandelier, but you actually no, did no, a Mickey no. Mouse really chandelier. Cool. It yeah. was really nice. Like it was like a really, it was really neat. But again, very unique. And there would be a very small amount of buyers that would want that. However, my my sellers were very, very big Disney fans. And so the entire room was all Disney. So they were taking the entire room, but they wanted the, they wanted the, the, the chandelier. And so a part of the deal was actually fixtures excluded, you know, <laughs> Mickey Mouse chandelier in basement bedroom. And it, it came, we took it down because it was, we left it the way it was because it, 
because it kind of completed the room, right? And so it was in the photos, it was in the in the if people walk through the home, but when it came time to it, it was actually excluded from the deal. And we replaced it with, you know, a simple Home Depot one or whatever it is. They they got something else that they put there, right? And the buyers were very happy. Uh, but it's important. It, it is definitely on the listing agent for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and thanks, Jenna. You're absolutely right. Set the expectations on the front end. Avoid confusion on the back end. Like It, it is yeah. so important to have these conversations, as Mike explained, after the listing paperwork is signed and so forth. What stays, what goes? Yeah. And it's similar to not only just the ring doorbell, but even those fancy thermostats, right? The Nest thermostats, Nest, those yeah. things are like 400, 500 bucks. So for a seller, they might think that, yeah, yeah, I'm taking that thing with me and I'll replace it with a Home Depot one or, or something cheap. But really the home was bought with that unless it states otherwise, and that one's got to stay, right? That's... And so, yeah, if you out of sight, out of mind, kind of going back to what you were saying, if, if they really want that, take it out, replace it with a cheap doorbell, replace it with a cheap thermostat and just tuck it away until it is, you know, until you move. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise it's, it's going with the home unless stated in the agreement. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing, we're seeing smart, we'll call them smart homes or smart devices uh, more and more and more in homes these days, because yeah. especially um, as they become more popular and, and just think we're, you know, we're, we're coming up to, I'll call it uh, American Thanksgiving, which is a big sale on everything electronics wise. Right. That's right. And then yeah. we're going to have boxing day in a couple of months, which is everything on sale. Another big sale. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, come January, February, uh, a good portion of the homes on the market are going to have some smart devices within it. Right. And, yeah. and as realtors, we got to be clear on what stays and what goes. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Because again, you know, I've seen smart fans, I've seen smart TVs, smart, smart fridges. Have you ever seen the fridge that goes completely like it, it shows you exactly what's in it through the touchscreen? It's got a camera on the inside of it. And it shows you that way you don't have to open your fridge up every time. It looks like a mess because your fingerprints are all over it. But you know, it is. <laughs> it, it nice. helps you for sure. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm just thinking here, like over the last few months, I've been replacing a lot of our simple like light switches with smart switches. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. True. And, yeah. and, and they're not you know, cheap. <laughs> they're not cheap. And to, and to one person that might be a chattel to the next person that might be something, a fixture. Cause I want to take yeah. that to my next house, but that's a party that's wired into your house. That's yeah. Physically attached to your property. Yeah. 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 Are, are you seeing that Mike, as we kind of get off into a slightly different topic here, but are you, are you seeing some of the homes as, as homes get updated uh, with yeah. all the smart technology behind them? Yeah, for 100%. I think the biggest one is actually what you said, the smart switches, right? That seems to be the number one thing that people are, are flipping over to so they can connect it to their phones and they can turn off any bed, you know, you, hey, Alexa, turn off my lights and this and that and everything kind of goes from there, right? Um, so I think that's a big part of it. The One of the biggest ones, even still to, to today, I struggle with this one, but TVs that are mounted to a wall, right? Because technically, you know, the mount is is, a, is what's attached to the home right? But the TV isn't, is just kind of placed onto the mount. So it's one of those arguments of, does it come or does it go? Right. And I've heard some people say it's got to stay. I've heard some people say the mount has to stay alone and the TV can go. What I always do when I come up with one of these things, because I am always like, you know, it's so black and white. I just put, if it's, if I'm buying a home, okay, it's a bar TV, bar TVs included with, with mount. Right. And I just put it in the deal. Boom. It's clear. It's there. You can't argue it. Right versus me not putting it in and my buyers show up and it's gone. And they're like, well, what the heck? There's just a TV mount here. I got to go out and buy a TV now. 
right? That's frustrating for sure. So it's always one of those things. There's so many things like that, that you don't know. Should I take it? Should I leave it? What do I do with it? Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think from a listing perspective, I'm going to, if, you know, obviously walk around the house with the seller. Do you want yeah. that TV? Cause right now it's staying and, and yeah. just trigger that in their mind and, and it just exclude all of those television sets uh, along yeah. with the, the mount and everything like that. Or, or as you said, the mount is going to stay and, yeah. um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a whole wide gamut here, but at the end of the day, as Mike said, there are, there are some exceptions, but if you flip that house upside down and things fall out, they, they go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's so, and just because of the world that we live in, people are so, it, everything has to be in writing, right? You have to have it. There's a good saying. I used to love it. And it was, it was, I only trust two people in the world. It's you and me, and I'm not too sure about you. Right. That's the saying. <laughs> and so it's just one of those things that you just got to, you know, put it on paper, have your sellers understand what's a part of their home, what's not a part of their home and make sure that that's clear on, on when you're getting offers on it. And same with buyers, right? Like I was telling you a situation where, uh, one of our sellers, um, they had a hot water tank that was a rental, right? And the right, buyer, right. the buyer agent reached out to us. They, they sent us an agreement and it had nowhere in the agreement under the rental section. Did it say hot water tank? So we just had assumed, okay, it was on the listing. It says hot water tank. Um, they most likely are, they, they understand. And so we let it be, they moved into the home. They found out it was a rental and they went, what the heck? You know, we, we don't want a rental. We wanted this to be purchased. Well, we said, you didn't put it in the deal. So it's kind of on, on you not to include that because we, we clearly stated it was a rental and you didn't put it on the paperwork. So it's up to your buyer agent to be diligent enough to know, okay, that was a rental, you know, was, is the furnace and air conditioner rentals or are they owned, right? These are all things that could cost you a lot of money, um, in the future yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I believe in our schedule B, we have something that covers that as well. Um, uh, so check that out. Check that out for sure. Thanks, Svetlana. Yeah, I like I like that analogy yeah. too. Shake the house. Shake the house. Yeah, flip it upside down. What falls? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good stuff. Well, we got lots going on at the brokers uh, this month, Mike. I should have our training, training calendar up here, but I don't have it. I know in the next um, couple of weeks, there's the business planning clinic. Uh, nice. which is over two days, two, two afternoons, and it is phenomenal. Uh, and I know the people that have already taken it in the past, those are the people I will take it again. So if you've never taken it, go and take it. And who's hosting uh, it? Who's hosting it? His name is skipping my mind all of a sudden. I, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out because yeah, he's no worries. one of my yeah, no, those... favorite trainers and his name escapes me at the moment, which is terrible. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, no, terrible. that's, um, I always love the business planning clinics. They're always, it, it just gives you that extra boost of confidence going into the new year with understanding where you have to be in your business, right. And how important it is to know that. So I I'll definitely be taking that. Cause that's, um, that's always a great class for sure. Yeah. Right on cue. Gene Rivers. Uh, oh, I was going to say, is it Gene Rivers? I was going to, yeah. I, I almost was going to guess that, but yeah, he is phenomenal. Okay. He, um, he has a number, owns a number of brokerages in, uh, in Florida, the state of Florida. He's been up to Canada many, many times, uh, to teach. Beautiful. And, uh, so he's teaching that over the, over, uh, Wednesday, the 20th and Thursday, the 21st. So make sure you take part in that. Um, We've got a handful of our KWRC new value propositions. So our lead accelerator is some training yes. around that. So again, that's where the brokerage is uh, paying for $25 every month for you to uh, generate leads within command, Facebook leads, which is pretty awesome. Killer, killer deal. 
Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So lots of great stuff coming up. And at the beginning of November, I don't have the date here in front of me. I should do. Uh, we are having our first KWRC uh, Wealth uh, Mastery Session as well. So um, the lead coach, KW uh, Coach for Canada, is coming to share with us on why creating wealth uh, is a mindset. And it's important to do that for you and your family and for others. And uh, I can tell you, yeah, he's, he's going to be really, really great because we've all, we all have our own perception of generating wealth. Sometimes it's negative because perhaps we've had a bad experience in our past, or we were taught about something about generating wealth and it has a negative impact, or maybe it's positive. So, so what that session is going to be about is kind of breaking down all those barriers. Yeah. And, and starting from scratch again on, on why it's important to do it and why it's important to do it for you and your family and others. And, and yeah. that's going to be awesome. I think the others is a big part of that, you know, to be able to give back and to be able to help others. I think that's a, it's a definitely a part that really changed the way I uh, changed my outlook on, on building wealth for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can tell you, Colin and I are, we're speaking with a few other, um, special guest speakers and we are pumped and excited uh new home construction um creating um a joint venture partnerships so buying properties together and of course kwrc wow. acquisitions is coming together so that where we uh realtors within our brokers are going to be able to purchase properties together. And uh, so all of that is coming together and uh, we're having a lot of um, good talks around that. And and we're getting, um, we're getting closer to announcing what that first um, phase looks like, which is good. That's awesome. That's super exciting. I'm so excited to see where the brokers are going to run with that. Yeah. 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 Very good. So that wraps up another week of KWRC TV uh, for the vacationing uh, Jen Silbernagel. That's Mike Riso. I'm Gary McGowan. Of course, you can catch us on all your favorite podcast players of choice and uh, we'll see everybody on the next show. Bye for now. See you guys.